You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, Kraken fans, and welcome to episode 11 of Keeping Up With The Krakens, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network and sponsored by DraftKings. Use promo code THPN for exclusive offers. This is your co-host, Tyler Bell, located in the Rocky Mountains of Alberta, Canada. And once again, we are joined by fellow co-host of the pod, Alec Durham. How are you doing today, brother? Oh, not bad, man. How's it going over there? Oh, not too shabby. I'm just currently in recovery mode, uh, coming off a good party night in Banff. It was uh, a buddy's 30th birthday, so we had to go out and celebrate and, and hit the bars up because it's it's been quite a while because of COVID. So currently Wait, in recovery mode from it, that. Man. Oh, yeah. Got to get after it. Um, if you hear any voice cracks, it's because I kind of lost my voice the other night and yeah, it's slowly coming back to me, but uh, good enough to do the pod, that's for sure. Just truck through it. Real warrior. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Try to Heart and soul. <laughs> yeah, man. It was a fun night, though. Like, I think the last time I was at the bar, um, just thinking back, it was probably February 2020. So, Holy shit. And yeah, if I got that date right, I think so. Yeah, that's when COVID kind of came, March, April of that year. So yeah, right around there, same town too. Bam, wonderful place to go out though. Hitting up a lot of bars, uh, ended up at uh, the Dancing Sasquatch, which is uh, the number one nightclub scene there as well. It's got an awesome name, but yeah, it just felt good to be back out there. But yeah, I'm definitely not used to it, you know, so, <laughs> but it was fun to get out. How about you? What have you been up to lately? Oh, not much. Just working, laying around, watching hockey. Definitely not getting out after it and bam. (laughs) Yeah, you could only do it so many times, though. And, and, uh, yeah, getting to that age now, 26. It's not like you were 19 or 20, man. The body, uh, it doesn't recover as fast, that's for sure. So, But but we're going to do this pod, bring – the Kraken information to you here. And like you said, you've been watching hockey. How about some Kraken wins as of lately? Hey, eh? this team is oh. three and f- three wins in their last four games. And let's take a look at some of those, some of those teams that they're beating right here. These aren't just any teams. These are, 
you know, if you take a look at the standings right now, these are the top three NHL teams. The Kraken just got wins against. How big is that for this squad? Oh, it's a huge confidence boost. I mean, you're kicking the mud against the small teams there, and then all of a sudden the big boys come to town and you throw down the hammer saying, we can play too. You know, we're not just here in this league, but we're here to compete. Yeah, here to compete. And it almost feels like, you know, they're on the verge of uh, turning a corner here and really becoming just a better hockey team overall. And, you know, well, you take a look at some of these wins that they just had and, yeah, they've had some awesome performances from their goalie, but just as a team, they are playing better hockey and looking like a much better team as of late. And uh, and that's showing with the wins, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, anytime you can come away with four points in four days, you're pretty happy about it. Oh, yeah, 100%. So, yeah, maybe we'll jump right into uh, the game against Carolina last week. Uh, it was their 19th game of the year. Grubauer got the start in it, so no shocker there. Um, Appleton found his way back into the lineup, too. He came off of the IR. He had missed the previous 11 games with a lower body injury. So because of this, they had to put one person on waivers. Uh, that person was Nathan Bastion. He ended up going on waivers, and he did get claimed the next day by his former squad, uh, the New Jersey Devils. So... I did tweet about that too. I kind of predicted that a guy like Nathan Bashan would get picked up because he's a really good serviceable fourth line guy. Uh, he's, he's a big body, throws the body, still young. So, you know, he ended up getting picked up by his old squad. And that that's something that's happened a couple times now with this Kraken team. Every time they seem to have to put a guy on waivers, the other team's old squad is taking advantage of that, aren't they? That's the problem of taking so many waiver borderline players. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of a situation they were going to be in either way because uh, they had a lot of guys. And I think they wanted that many guys to fight and and make it competitive to try to make this team, right? So they did have a lot of those borderline guys, and, and those things are going to happen. Um, and then, yeah, we've seen Morgan Geeky facing off against his former squad too, uh, against a tough Carolina team. This team was 8-1-1 one, one on the road going into this game that is a wild road record isn't it yeah that'll certainly help your overall record you know you're usually good at home but now you're disgusting on the road too yeah that's not an easy task but you know they're a top team in the nhl for a reason and that's because they know ways of how to find wins and get it done and doing it on the road just speaks volumes to how good your team actually is you know, some teams can be really, really good at home, but when you can prove it on the road as well, and you know a record like that, which is insane, you know, that, that speaks volumes. You're a top team in the NHL all day. So yeah, taking a look uh, early on in this game, it was a nice face, nice fast-paced start to this one a few minutes in. And, and then we seen Alexiak taking the body against Cockney Emmy really hard into boards. I thought he almost sent him back to Montreal with that hit. It was so big. <laughs> Been sitting on that one for a few days. Yeah, I've been sitting on that one for a few days here. I wanted to to put that in. So, and then yeah, it was it was just good play overall. Like Johansson had a real nice interception too in the first period. Uh, he threw it towards the net. It would cause a big scramble in Carolina's crease, and Schwartz just about had the first goal of the game. Uh, and, and, and just taking a look at the first 10 minutes of this game, it was a hell of a pace. And, yeah, you could tell the Kraken came out to play in this one coming off their last win. 
And then Seattle would earn the first power play of the game uh, with 419 remaining in the first when Trocek hooked Lazan. Uh, and so good on Lazan, good on Lazan for drawing that penalty there. Uh, he's taken some slack the last couple games with his performance, but uh, when you're drawing penalties, you're doing good things on the ice, right? Yeah, Lazan might be the reason we decided to go over pizza the other day. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, it's good to see him drawing shit on the other side of the score sheet, being a benefit to his team. Yeah, exactly, and. Kraken spent a majority of that power play. They got some good looks, but they couldn't bury one. And that would kind of cost them because Carolina would come back the other way and score on their very first chance after it expired. It was a, a nice point shot from Brendan Smith, and it found a hole upstairs on Gru. And, you know, he was, like, completely screened on that shot. So that's a, that's a hard one to stop for the German gentleman. Um, and then Carolina, yeah, they took that lead into the second along with a 9-7 to seven shot advantage as well. What a pass from D'Angelo on that goal, too. I'll give him credit there. Yeah, he threw it around on his backhand there. He, he's a guy, too. Uh, I didn't know exactly what to expect from him uh, with Carolina, you know, after uh, everything that happened with him and the Rangers and – you know, I know there was a bit of turmoil going on there, but then, you know, he gets a chance to go to Carolina and offensively for sure. It doesn't seem like he's taken any step back uh, in his game. And, you know, he's, he's been a quite the offensive defenseman for the Carolina hurricanes this year. Yeah. I mean, that's a guy everyone was looking at when the signing was announced and going, fuck, come on, really, really Carolina of all defensemen. And now I think he's kind of just shut his mouth and play hockey, which is what they were hoping over in Carolina there. Yeah. And that, you know, that's what he had to do to kind of resurrect his career a bit. Not that it was terrible on the ice, but the off ice stuff was definitely an issue. Uh, and they're jumping. Yeah. Back into this game, a couple minutes into the second, we've seen Susie and Trocek collide into each other. You could tell Susie was, visibly hurt on that one i think he just had the wind knocked out of him because uh he didn't take any shifts off and then why not queue up man in the box uh by allison change because slavin goes off for a holding call and it's the second power play of the game for the kraken and mccann just snipes one low blocker for his fifth power play goal of the season we got a tie game and this power play is just buzzing as of late isn't it yeah, I mean, it feels like every time we talk shit about some part of the Kraken, be it their prospects, their goaltending, their power play, they seem to fire back within a week or so. So we'll just keep on that for the fans. You know, every time the K Seattle's Kraken starts to slide a little bit, we'll talk shit and they'll just bring it right back up to par. Yeah, you know what? Maybe, you know, they, they're they listening to the pod. They're a little angry about it. It gets them fired up. And then next thing you know, uh, you know, they turn it around and shove it right down our throat. So I'm okay uh, being Ken Hitchcock. I, I, I am too. <laughs> and yeah, right, right after that, uh, that crack in goal there, they had some strong shifts. They're putting together like three or four grade A chances, uh, you know, and it all kind of came off the start of like a beautiful interception from Blackwell. So they had lots of sustained pressure. It was looking real good. And then Geeky goes off to the sin bin halfway through the first uh, for a hook. Even though I thought uh, Svechnikov went down pretty softly on the play, but you know, anytime you're getting your stick inside the body like that, they're going to make that call, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, they want you to see the stick flat on the ice and just going after puck. They don't want to see it come up parallel at all. 
No, you you can't get away with that. Not these days. Not these days in the NHL here. So uh, they're going to call that. But good thing the German gentleman was absolutely dialed in because he was making huge save after huge save. And not only on the penalty kill, but following it, coming up huge for the Kraken in this game. He was just dynamite. And, you know, he had to be because Carolina started to bring it in that second period. And they had a huge lead in shots after the second period, leading 25 to 16. Uh, so, yeah, they were peppering him in, on the net there, weren't they? Yeah, I mean, anytime you're getting double-digit raised almost, that's kind of tough looks. It's good to see Grubauer being just locked in. The guy we thought we were getting and had for a little bit there. If he can keep this going forward, this is going to be a fun watch the rest of the year. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, they peppered him in this game. 25 shots after two periods. That's about the amount of shots that Seattle's been averaging this year uh, against in a whole game. So uh, they were giving up a lot of shots, but, uh, you know, Grubauer came to play. And, you know, just a couple minutes into the third, Seattle would go back to the penalty when Tanev draws uh, a hook and penalty. So that was really good. Don Skoy had a stellar opportunity on it to get the lead, uh, but he was robbed by Freddie Anderson and, uh, you know, right after that, he took a holding call, which would negate the rest of that power play for the Kraken. Uh, kind of an unnecessary penalty to take, uh, especially, you know, in a close game like that. And you, you're up a man, right? You, you can't be taking those kind of penalties. No, any penalty that negates a power play is a bad penalty. I don't care what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, it just makes it even worse with the timing and, you know, a close game like that. But the, the Kraken would get away unscathed on it thankfully uh because if you let up a goal right there that's a huge turning point in this game in the third period and you would allow carolina to take the lead uh so again you can't be letting that up and you know i know we pumped lazan's tires a bit because of drawing a penalty but he would he would have an absolutely brutal turnover which would send uh the canes in for a two-on-one but once again grubauer is there to bail out his teammates um so just an unreal game by Grubauer so far in that game. And then out of nowhere, we kind of seen uh, Svechnikov drop the gloves against Dunn after a bit of a shoving back and forth on the play. And it all kind of happened off a reverse, like a high reverse hit from Svechnikov off Dunn. And yeah, you could kind of see it too. Dunn was not expecting uh, to fight there right away, but Svechnikov, he he decided to throw his gloves right off and and start pumping done right away and you know if you're going to drop him let the guy get ready for the fight right yeah but the one thing i'll say about Zvech here is he's probably still got ptsd from his last fight with ovechkin there i mean he just dropped him he goes oh shit i gotta go yeah yeah that was one of those situations where you out of you know he, you just drop the gloves because, you know, you're fired up, emotions are high, and then you realize, oh, shit, I just dropped the gloves with Ovi. <laughs> and, yeah, I don't know if you realize that right away or not, but he paid the price because Ovi pretty much just one-punched him and <laughs> knocked him out on that play. Um, you know, we talk about Ovi as the perennial goal scorer of the league, um, but people don't realize, like, he is – a beast in all areas, all facets of the game. You know, he'd hit guys like a train, score goals, 
We talk about his goal scoring. His playmaking ability is still top-notch as well, and he can knock guys out one punch him. What can Russian machine do? don't stop. Yeah, yeah. Must be all that Russian gas, right? Just buzzes around out there. Yeah. And then, yeah, after that, um, you know, the, the Kraken did get a power play out of it. Uh, and then 10 minutes remaining in the third, you know, cue up the Allison chains. Unfortunately, the boys did not execute on the great opportunity. The tie remained, but it would not matter because with 3.08 left in the third, JoJo buries a short side turnaround shot. Boom. You got a 2-1 lead, baby. How huge is that goal? Oh, it's a huge goal anytime you can go up with in the last five minutes of the game. But what a seeing eye shot, too. I mean, comes around Slavin, puts it through his feet there, just misses knee cash and happens to go past Anderson. Yeah, that was amazing. And, you know, hockey is a game of inches. And he had he had the right amount of space all come together on one shot there, just missing a few bodies and making its way into the net with 308 left in the game. That's that's insane. So hell of a goal for Jojo and the Kraken would kill off the last few minutes of the game and they would walk that win right to the bank and deposit the big W for a hell of a hockey game and a hell of a win from this Kraken team. Yeah, their second win in a row, too, both coming off, like we said, top teams in the Metro and the league, which is a huge confidence booster to the squad. Oh, yeah, absolutely huge. And let's be honest here, Drew Bauer is no doubt was the first star uh, in this game and the last game. Like, he absolutely stole this one. Uh, so he better low, lay low for a bit because uh, the feds are watching. So, uh, Drew Bauer, you've been insane. And eight. Let's give some credit, too, to this power play because it's been so hot. Uh, that's the fifth game in a row that they've scored on. Yes, they're only one for four in the game, but anytime you're 25% on the power play, I think you're you're walking away pretty happy uh, with that percentage. Yeah, you'll take one for four most days and every day if you get the win. Yeah, exactly. Every day if you get the win, which they did second win in a row. Their next game, uh, and oh yeah, that would end their uh, six-game homestand too. So, you know, a couple road games coming up against top teams in the NHL, again, like we said. Um, some pregame notes heading into this one. I know I wasn't able to watch it. This was the Friday night, so I was in Banff. You were away and you were busy too, so we didn't catch the game. Um, but before the game, we did notice Captain Gio was placed on the COVID protocol list. Uh, so that would allow Flurry to get back in the lineup and, and get another crack at things again, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it sucks having to be that guy where you're looking for some an opportunity to get in and it comes from someone getting hurt or sick, but you'll take every chance you can get to get in the game. No one likes watching it. No, not at all. And l like you said, that's a, a crappy situation where he gets to come into it because you know, you never like to see your, any player on your team, especially captain, uh, have to sit out because of COVID protocol. But, you know, you, you can't take it. You can't be personal about it. You got to go in there and do your job, right? So that's uh, that's what Fleury was pumped about doing. And then, of course, uh, Yanni Gord would, uh, would play his former team for the first time where he went and won two Stanley Cups. Not, not a deal. big deal. <laughs> yeah, not a big deal at all, right? Just two Cups, uh, not a big deal. And yeah, just taking a look at uh, some some game notes we had just based on the highlights. It looked like the Kraken probably had their best chance of the game. Just a 
a few minutes in when McCann and Geeky would uh, team up for a nice two-on-one chance to try to open the score early on. But Geeky was denied by the glove of Vasilevsky. Shocker there, right? Vasi, one of the top goalies in the NHL and a big reason why Tampa is uh, a top three team as of right now. Yeah, and the then, funny thing is it doesn't matter what side of the net the puck's on, he's got a fucking chance of gloving it. He'll yeah. Just throw it around behind his back to his blocker side there. Yeah, What's EA calling a contortionist? That. Yeah, basically. He is a contortionist. And, you know, Vasilevsky's one of the best goalies in the NHL for a reason. And his reflexes and reactions, uh, right at the top of that list for sure. And, you know, that two-on-one chance would kind of be a bit of a bummer because Tampa would come down the other way right after, and they would score on a bit of a snipe from Pierre-Edward Belmar. So uh, not the kind of guy you'd expect to be sniping Genos like that over the over the glove of Grubauer, but just like that, it was one nothing Tampa. Yeah, the deception there on that one was it's a quick pickup and release. Like, he doesn't screw around stick handling with it, which is one thing you see a lot of kids coming up in the game these days is they get the puck and they want to make a couple quick touches with it and stick handle and make a move. He just stops it and shoots it. That's it. Yeah, a very quick release. It was unexpected, too. Um, so it kind of caught Grubauer from surprise. So that would be one nothing Tampa on it. And they didn't look back after that. They, they made it 2 nothing early in the second off a Ross Colton rebound off his own initial shot. And then finally making it three, nothing in the third off a rough turnover in the D zone by Jeremy Lazon. So not going to lie, just based on those highlights of the game, uh, there wasn't much for, you know, the cracking offensively in this game. It seemed like uh, they probably got played all over the ice in this game and in, in all three zones. Yeah. I mean, they're playing, I mean, we just talked about sure where Carolina, Tampa, or sorry, Carolina, Florida, and Washington are one, two, three in the league. But let's not pretend like Tampa isn't the class of the league. Back to back Stanley Cup champions going for a three beat. They are the team to beat. Yeah, they are still the team to beat. And once they're uh, completely healthy again, um, you know, they are the team to beat. Like uh, Tampa, no matter how many injuries they have, they seem to just be uh, top of the NHL. Um, so it seems like every year they're missing Kucherov, which is, you know, a top five player in this league all day when he's playing. So uh, the team just gets it done, right? Uh, it did look like Grubauer, you know, played a pretty good game, though, based on the highlights. Like he made a lot of wonderful saves, but uh, you're not going to win a hockey game when your team, uh, can't score a single goal in that game yeah your chances are zero yeah and then once again i did read some tweets on you know how lazan had multiple turnovers and he's been on a lot of those bad playmaking decisions the last week here so it's definitely been a rough stretch for the guy and you know let's hope he can turn it around but i i wouldn't be surprised to see him sit in some games once uh uh geo's back and more healthy and I think the Kraken only managed 17 shots in the game, and I believe that was a season low for them as well. So uh, a bit of a tough look for them, but, um, you know, you can't win them all, right? This is a tough Tampa Tampa uh, team. So 3-0, uh, nothing, not terrible, but again, uh, definitely didn't have it uh, in this game, did they? Nah, we'll just throw this one out and go to the next Florida team. Yeah, and that's the nice thing, too, on, on a back-to-back -to -back like that. 
you know, after a loss, you you can go resurrect it right away um, and put it behind you. Go redeem it. Um, I don't think resurrect was the right word. I think I meant redeem. But, yeah, taking a look. They play Florida the very next night, and Chris Dreger gets the start in this game. Uh, shouldn't be a shocker to anyone, especially on a back-to-back. His third start of the year and just his 42nd career start in the NHL. So that guy's making some good money for only having 42 NHL starts, isn't he? Right. I mean, who is it? Uh, Merzlikens has three times as many starts, and I think they're making about the same. Yeah, yeah. So that, that just proves that, you know, if you have a good stretch of uh, NHL hockey, you could – definitely cash that in if it's uh, lining up with the end of a contract and a new one and uh you know you're a goaltender so you're in a position that's uh you know always wanted around the nhl and trigger definitely cashed in uh you know with his three and a half million uh three year deal so um good for him for only having that many career starts that's that's pretty wild um we've seen jeremy lazan was a healthy scratch as well um and Will Borgen would draw into the lineup for the first time in a while. Um, Riley Shahan, uh, he was called up earlier in the day. He replaces Colin Blackwell in the lineup. And because, you know, your team came off a 3 nothing loss, it was kind of rough, only 17 shots. Uh, we've seen Coach Hack trying to spark up the offense. And, you know, he shuffled up three of the four lines. And he also shuffled up his D line. So, you know, that's a big statement right there, right? Go find some offense. Yeah, anytime you throw the lines in a blender, it's kind of a wake up call to your, I was your forward core. I guess your D would be too, but they're usually pairs. Whatever. Anytime you put them all on a blender, it's a little bit of a mental screw up for everybody. Like, oh shit, I better get going, or else I might be the next guy to get moved down or moved out of the lineup. Yeah, it's definitely a bit of a wake up call, and especially you know a wake up call when you're facing a Florida team like this 11 and 0 going into this game at home. And I think you brought it up to me before the game. Uh, you said they've scored at least four goals in 10 of those 11 games, which uh, do you think they like playing at home? It seems to work for them. I think it so seems far. to work. Yeah. Uh, and, but you know, a crazy start to this game too. Um, it would start off with an early power play for Seattle, just 25 seconds in when Forsling uh, gets a stick into the hands of Wenberg. And boy, would it be packed with action. Um, Seattle would get some nice looks. They'd get a couple looks early on. And then Florida would get a breakaway uh, chance from Jonathan Huberto, who was absolutely denied from his former goaltender and Drieger. And you've seen a little smirk from Hubie after that too. Uh, he knows his former Tendy got the best of him on that one. So that, that was fun to see. Yeah, you almost wonder if there's a bit of a game between the, the guys that are really tight friends and playing against each other for the first time. You know, maybe a little wager on the board between them. Yeah, wager on the board. Emotions got to be running high. And it's that game inside the game, right? Um, you know, anytime you have former teammates, you usually know those players' tendencies and um, – you could tell Huberdu tried to go five hole on him and, you know, maybe in his, the back of his mind, he's thinking that's Drager's weakness and, you know, Drager robs him on the play and, and you get that little smirk from Hubie. So uh, great to see. Uh, and then just before the power play ended, Jordan Eberle takes a slick cross ice feed from Don Scoy to open the scoring in the game. That's Jordan Eberle's 10th goal of the season. 
uh, in his 800th career game in this one. So the first Kraken to hit double, digit, double digits in that department this season. Ever. Ever, yeah, in, in history. Good point there. And then not long after, the Panthers would tie the game back up with a point shot from uh, Mackenzie Weger, find it, finding its way through traffic. Uh, and then just like that, we have a 1-1 hockey game. Yeah, I mean, not long after that, too, it was either Fleury or Borgen. I'm not sure which one of them it was had a shot, had shot a puck towards the Panthers net as the whistle was kind of getting blown there. And of course, anytime something's tight like that, you're going to cause a scrum and a little wrestling match between Borgen and Lomberg, which sends both those guys to the box for a quick two to open up some four on four out there. Yeah, that was, uh, it's always fun to see those little scraps and Borgen getting a, a shot in the lineup in this game. And, you know, he's not afraid to mix it up either. He's a big body defenseman uh, and he brings some of that to his game. So I, I, I agree. I couldn't tell if it was Flurry or Borgen on the play. Um, let's just say it. <laughs> I think it was Borgen, but I can't be 100% on it. But always great to see that. Not much happened on the four and four. Like we see the crack and take back the lead though, with a beautiful tip and goal from, uh, from an Alexiak point shot. Um, and it was Donato tipping that in his third of the year. So, uh, Donskoy picked up his second assist on the play on that one too, bringing his assist total to nine on the year. So uh, what a, what an action packed first period of play though, wasn't it? Oh man. What a tip from Donato there. Screw the rest of the period. I want to talk about that. That's awesome. Anytime it's going out and you got to pull it back in and down, those are difficult plays to make, especially when you're under pressure from the D like that. And a guy who hasn't scored in a while too. It's nice to see him get one. Yeah, he hasn't found the back of the net. And he's one of those players who has been, you know, healthy scratched as well. So anytime you're one of those borderline players and you haven't been getting as much ice time, uh, anytime you can uh, get on the score sheet like that and in a beautiful way with that tip in shot, you know, that's a big confidence booster to, to his game for sure. And yeah, just a great period of play from the crack. And, and you're coming out of the first period with the lead against the best home team in the entire league. Draeger looked really good. That's probably the best we've seen him play uh, just in that period alone. And the Panthers did have a, a 14 to nine shot advantage in the first, but I thought the Kraken generated more quality chances and kept all of Florida shots to the perimeter in that period. And then, yeah, Seattle would get their second power play of the game just a couple minutes into the second uh, when Montour went off for tripping geeky. Uh, but it was a bit of an uneventful power play with just one shot coming from Schwartz on that. The game kind of settled in a, mo a bit more in the second, and we've seen a lot of back-and-forth hockey with without many grade-A chances from either side. It was just a good defensive battle for, uh, early on in that second period, wasn't it? Yeah, teams really started to tighten it up there and thought, you know what, this might come down to a gritty defensive game. It was a little open pace in the first period, so everyone wants to settle it down, like you said, just control the pace of the game a bit more and you know, protect the house. Yeah, and, and that's something they've done better at is their defensive side of the puck. Uh, this Kraken team has really showed that they've uh, improved in that in uh, the last few games. Uh, and then we've seen Yanni Gord. He he had a wide-open chance at the side of the net, but he whiffed on it pretty hard. Uh, probably cooled off a couple of the fans in the lower bowl with that whiff, I would say. Oh, been there, done that. We've all been there, I hope. 
We have, we have, I, I can remember a few myself that were pretty rough, especially with a wide open net. So uh, it doesn't feel good, but uh, Yanni Gord is in the NHL. He's not going to be doing that too often. So um, yeah, the Kraken would get their first penalty of the game with uh, like three thirty left in the second when Alexia got sent off for a high stick and they'd kill it off mainly coming off the back of Drieger though. Who is like we said, been a rock for Seattle in this game. And uh, definitely stole the show in that second period. He just looked confident and was snatching everything up around him and looked like he was seeing the puck really well in the game. Yeah, he definitely looked like he was in his comfort zone, which, you know, maybe that's what he needed this year was everything was kind of out of whack for him. Wasn't used to getting the starts or into a rhythm. You know, Grubauer's playing an ass load of hockey, something he wasn't used to in Florida there. But now he all of a sudden he gets a start. He gets a start with everybody on the opposite side of the ice that he knows and he's comfortable with. And this could be the Dreger we were hoping to get. So maybe we have him the rest of the year too. Yeah. And like we said, it's only his third start. Like it takes a few starts to get comfortable. And despite being outshot 13 to seven in the second and 27 to 16 overall in the game, the Kraken entered the third period holding on to their two goal lead um so the kraken are four one and one when entering the third period with a lead this season going into the third of this game so uh, a good stat to have there for the kraken yeah that certainly bodes well for the way this final 20 is going to go mm-hmm. and just under six minutes into a quiet third period yanny gord made a great interception play on a strong four check uh took it right to the net for a chance and eberly came in uh, to clean up the rebound and extend the Kraken's lead to two. I think I just said it was currently two, but it was only a one-goal lead heading into the third. My bad. Um, but that was just a great play by Gord to read that pass attempt and pick it off the pick off the pocket of uh, Gudis there uh, and create that opportunity. And Everly buries it. Yeah, that was some nice play from Gord there, just showing the bit of his defensive presence and awareness. I guess you'd want to call it. Yeah, definitely some good awareness on that play and, you know, a big play to make that late into the third because uh, they pretty much rode their strong defensive game uh, all the way to an empty netter from Alexiak and a huge 4-1 victory against the Florida Panthers in Florida. You know, shout out to Chris Drieger. He's picking up his first first ever win as a member of the Seattle Kraken on it, stopping 33 of 34 shots for a 971 save percentage against his former squad. What does a big win like this mean for Driggs and this team going forward? Well, hopefully a few more starts. <laughs> yeah, I he, you definitely earn a bit more uh, starts for that. They've been riding Grubauer hot, but if you can get performances like this uh, from your backup goaltender, then you got to start playing him more often for sure, right? Yeah, you'll have to start putting him in the net more. I mean, especially mm -hmm. as soon as... Grubauer has a shaky game. You look at this game from Drieger, you should feel comfortable putting him in the net now. Oh yeah. You, you have to feel more comfortable putting him into the net here. And, and he's more than deserving after a performance like that. Huge game on the faceoff dot for the, for Seattle as well in this game, they won 72% of the draws. That's I think their most in a hockey game this season. 
And usually when you're winning draws like that, the shots aren't so uh, dipped in one's favor, but uh, they were winning the defensive draws and, and more important draws in that game. So uh, really good to see that because it's a weak point in this team is the faceoff dot. So if they could start to turn that around, that's going to help with some more victories. Yeah, anytime you can start with the puck and not chase the game like we've talked about before, that's a huge benefit, as we mm -hmm. saw. Yeah, 100%. And Eberly with two goals on the night, uh, that's 11 goals in 21 games for Eberly this season. He's currently on pace for a 43-goal season uh, in an 82-game pace, which would blow out his career high of 34. Uh, and that came in a second season, the 2011-2012 season with uh, his second season with Edmonton there. Do you think Eberly beats his career high this year for goals? Am I in the deep end? <clears throat> Uh, you're not in the deep end yet, but uh, I had to throw it out there because it's, it's, an, it's uh, interesting. I could totally see him pushing for it. I don't think he's going to blow it out. I don't know if he'll get to 40, but I could totally see him hitting 35. Just literally yeah. one up himself. Yeah. I mean, he's had a heck of a start to this game. We're about the quarter of the way through the season too. So for him to have a, a 11 already, uh, it's a great start for him, but um, you know, if this team continues to stay hot and ride some more wins, um, Everly's got all the ability in the world to, uh, you know, break that 34 goal, um, 34 high, like goal career high for him. So um, I could definitely see it happen, man. Um, wouldn't be shocked to see him hit 40 at least once in his career. Although it's definitely going to be harder on the back end of his uh, career. Yeah, I mean, as you get older, it get, should get a little bit tougher, but then you've got Alexander Ovechkin who just says, screw rules. Yeah, I score goals. <laughs> that's that's Ovi for you. So, yeah, the guy doesn't slow down. He's off to the best start of his career this year. So, uh, Like a just fine age, wine. Like, yeah, just aging like a fine wine. Don Skoy and Alexiak both putting up two points in the game as well. So I think uh, Alexiak's empty netter there, his first as a Kraken too. So just waiting on a couple guys to get there first, Don Skoy being one of them. But, you know, he's still finding ways to contribute, getting two assists in this game. Yeah, so looking ahead here, we have some matchups coming up this week uh, on Monday. They are in Buffalo facing an 8-10-3 Buffalo squad who is 1-5 in their last six games. Uh, give me your thoughts on this game and what you expect. Well, I expect a W for Christ's sake. I mean, you should be pouncing on this Buffalo team the way they've been playing lately. Both yeah. Buffalo and Seattle. Yeah, like a team who... Um, you know, they had a really good start to the year. They surprised a lot of teams, but, you know, I think is Buffalo coming down from that and, you know, they're, they're turning into the Buffalo team. We kind of expected, uh, as of late, it kind of seems like that, you know, one in five in their last six, uh, looks like they're coming back to reality a bit and a perfect opportunity to jump on Buffalo and pick up a win. Uh, they did face them already in the year, picked up a nice five, two victory. So that one was at home. This is their second of two matchups for the year. So it would be great to pick up the, uh, the Buffalo sweep here and pick up a win on Monday night. 
feels like Buffalo's done this like three years in a row now. Just had a sick first 10 or 15 games and then <clears throat> the rest of the way. Yeah, they've done that a couple times. I remember when uh, Jeff Skinner got, you know, he would just start the season super hot. He had, you know, so many goals and then like, cooled off so hard. It was unbelievable. He may have had like four goals in the last 41 games, but he ended with like 20 some or uh, maybe it was even low 30s. Um, or was was that the year, sorry, where he hit like 40 goals and then got the big contract? Yeah, I think so, because I don't think he's come anywhere close to that since. No, I don't think so either. He, he definitely cashed in good, and then uh, that player kind of disappeared. So, yeah, definitely expecting um, a good game, but I, if you're Seattle, you know, spirits are high right now. You're going to go into Buffalo, and they're they're definitely going to be expecting a win from this uh, against Buffalo here as well. So, um Let's hope they do that. It'll be a good matchup, though, Monday night. And then they get one night off, and then they're in Detroit Wednesday night. And this is a team who uh, has surprised a lot of people. One of the most surprising teams, I think, uh, to start this NHL season off. They're 10-9-3. They're and three, So, you know, you look at the record. It's, you know, you look at it. You're like, okay, that's not bad. But considering what Detroit has been, in the last couple or last three or four years um, to see them go off to a start like that. And, you know, they're starting to make some noise here two, two and one in their last five. Uh, let's talk about this Detroit team for a second here. What's been the biggest difference and why are they having success? They're young players. Nadeljkovic, Raymond and Cider. I mean, you can kind of consider Larkin in there. He's, I think he's what, 25, 26, 25. Yeah, but it, honestly, it almost feels like um, some of those young guys have helped him rejuvenate his career a bit. He's off to you know one of the best starts in his career too. But uh, yeah, you make a good point. I'll, I'll let you continue though on just your thoughts on some of those young players leading the way for Detroit. Well, it's nice you bring up Larkin feeling rejuvenated too because of the young guys. Because I think if you're Dylan Larkin, you've been in this rebuild in this rebuild in Detroit since you got there. I mean, your rookie year, maybe your sophomore year, you had those little petering out playoffs against Tampa Bay the end of the 25 years in a row. But now you look around the dressing room and it's like, shit, we're trending in the right direction. There's young players here that can play now. So they're only going to be better from now in four or five years. Imagine how dominant Moritz Sider is going to be back there when he fills out at 6'4", 6'5", and maybe 2.30, patrolling your blue line for half the game, getting you the puck in stride, full breakout, just blasting up ice, and then all of a sudden you got Lucas Raymond dishing the puck with you. You're just playing keep away in the O-zone. Not to mention yeah. they've got Simon Edvinson on the way who's been dominating in the SHL. Yeah, that was a great draft pick. And then, yeah, they made other great draft picks in that draft too. Um, they, Sebastian Costa, right? Or Ca Casa, sorry, not Costa, yeah. it's Casa. And, you know, that's a, an elite goalie who could be coming up one day with this team. So they have a lot of great pieces to build around. And their young guys are already showing just how dominant they can be in the NHL. And uh, Raymond and Sider, one and two, and 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 uh, Calder voting probably to start. Of course, uh, the Calder Trophy is the best rookie of the year, and you know, I expected Raymond to be good. You know, that's a guy we've been watching since he was sixteen, right? So yeah, uh, I don't think anyone would have guessed uh, on a Detroit team like that that he would come in and and be as dominant. You know, he's like 
top 10 right in name. scoring. Yeah, he's he's right up there. Top 10, top 15 in NHL scoring currently. Like the guy is going off and uh, you know, so credit to those young guys because they're they're really helping turn the corner for this Detroit team uh, sooner than a lot of people think. So, you know, it should be a good matchup against an original six team like Detroit. I definitely expect to see either, you know, Drieger starting one of those games um, because looking ahead, you have a very tough matchup Friday night back at home against the 15 and five Edmonton Oilers. Five, two, and zero in their last seven. Give me your thoughts on this team. That's funny. I was gonna think you were talking about them considering the start of the year. You called it right out of the gate. Edmonton's a wagon, and it's because of two players, Drysidle and McJesus, combined in the twenty games played, seventy-six points. Are you shitting me? <laughs> yeah, that is that is insane. Um, just just crazy when you look at their stats like yeah 20 games played like you said dry title 20 goals 20 assists 40 points that's wild and then mcjesus is just behind him 14 goals 22 assists for 36 points uh these guys are one and two in nhl scoring right now um they're just carrying this team right like and and don't don't get me wrong the, this team definitely has uh, way more depth than they had uh, in the past, and they're getting the goaltending they need, even with Mike Smith being injured, and, and he's been out for quite a while now too. Um, Stuart Skinner, their backup goalie, has stepped up and and gave him some good hockey. And Koskinen, a guy I wasn't really high on either. He's he's turned it around considering the seasons that he's had in, in the, the past couple years too. So this is just a dangerous Edmonton team, and... You know, they did kick the Kraken's butt uh, earlier in the year, handed us a pretty good loss. I believe it was 6-2 in their barn. So, you know, we get a chance to redeem ourselves here, the Kraken, at home now. Um, so this should be a fun matchup and and uh, hopefully just a great game to watch, right? Hopefully. I mean, either way, you're getting to watch 29 and 97. So, Yeah, the key to this game, um, stay out of the box because these are the two most lethal guys on the power play right now. Um, and that's where a lot of their scoring comes from. So uh, the key to winning this game, I think, is going to be staying out of the box and continue to build on that great defensive play that you've had. The NHL season is underway, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer to celebrate the greatest sport on ice. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. Doesn't matter if it's a one-time clapper or a deft deflection. However they light the lamp, you win. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total cash prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use co promo code THPN, throw down $1 on any NHL game, and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. This week, one puck in the net 
nets you a big win with promo code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. All right, welcome back here, Kraken fans. Uh, we're going to break down uh, the Pacific Division a bit because uh, it's been a while since we talked about them. Um, and we're going to start off with kind of where we left off in our conversations with Edmonton. Um, but Alberta as a whole really leading the charge in the Pacific Division here. And the big one is like between, you know, obviously we got Edmonton, but Calgary, I am just shocked at what Calgary has been able to do early on in the season. So give me your thoughts on this uh, flames team and why they're so hot. Goaltending team defense, terrified of Mr. Sutter. And yes, that's Mr. Sutter to everyone, but his wife. (laughs) Yeah, no, they've been, uh, they've been playing such good hockey um, and they have some guys who have stepped up and produced offense as a crazy at, at a crazy rate so far. Andrew Mangiapane, Mangiapane, sorry, um, fifteen goals already this year, unbelievable. Like they're like you said, uh, unbelievable goaltending. Markstrom, obviously, they're they're like setting records with how many shutouts this team is getting. So, um, you know, I feel like a bit of an idiot saying they were gonna. Uh, sell off and fall apart and and jump into a rebuild because they're stuffing that down my throat this season so far. (laughs) Yeah. Give me your thoughts on them though. Yeah. I mean, I think they're just, they, they're a team who's always seemed to go like every other year or so they'll have a really good regular season, but as normal until you prove it in the playoffs. That's been the one thing with them. They've had some really good uh, uh, regular seasons in the last six years, just a couple of them, like not anything crazy. But when they do perform, uh, it seems to go away in the playoffs. So if they can keep this kind of play up, they're going to have to really prove it in the playoffs. They got to win around, you know, they got to make some noise. Um, so it'll be interesting to see that. But under Sutter, like you said, Mr. Sutter, sorry. Mr. Sutter, Sutter, you're damn right. Show some respect. Um, They play a style that's a lot harder to play against now and one that usually has success in the playoffs. So Mr. Sutter knows uh, how to get playoff success. He's proven it. Uh, He has it uh, with LA. So let's, let's see what happens with this team. But yeah, they have been lights out and them and Edmonton leading the way in this Pacific division. Of course, we just pumped Edmonton's tires a bit. Um, so what about uh, looking at some other teams in the division here? Vegas, uh, they're now getting more healthier. They got Mark Stone back and they got Patch Reddy back. What do you expect out of them going forward? To just kick everyone's ass to make up for lost points from October and early November. Yeah, I definitely expect to see some more wins out of the out of this team now going forward. They're 12 and 9 right now. I think I said it earlier too in the podcasts. If they're able to, you know, hold their head above water and float through some of these huge injuries, uh, and then once they get them back, you know, start their their big surge. Um, and then, you know, hopefully, you know, it will hit their hot spot when Eichel comes in too to this lineup. They're gonna have a good shot. But as of right now, they are sitting on the outside uh, looking in, uh, at least in the top three in the Pacific Division. 
So look out for them. They're they're going to start surging here soon, I believe. Um, so yeah, Vegas, great team. Um, look out for them, pretty much. Yeah, that's all I got to say about them. They're common. They are common. Um, so um, just looking ahead too. Um, Anaheim, how far can Anaheim's youth take them? Because uh, they've had a pretty good start to the season, even though. Uh, you know, they've dealt with some injuries too, but let's get into them. I still think they just fall short of playoffs and end up, I mean, like I said at the start of the year when we were first breaking down what we thought the division was going to look like and what we expected from the teams this year. I still think Anaheim's going to eventually fall short of playoffs and kind of be the LA this year from last year, if that made any sense. Be the LA from last year where they started off real strong, had a push for I think it was a month and a half, two months of the shortened season there to the point where even the media is like, what is Rob Blake and the LA Kings going to do at the trade deadline? Is this success going to push their uh, rebuild up? And Rob Blake says, no, we had a good six weeks. We still suck. (laughs) Yeah. And you can't argue with that too. Really young team and very similar to this Anaheim team. Uh, Got a lot of good young pieces who, you know, are starting to perform as well. Um, and they have a really good proven track record so far, 11, seven and three. And, you know, a guy on their team who's really resurrected himself a bit too, uh, playing with these young guys is Ryan Getzlaff, uh, who's really bounced back and, and playing better hockey too. So good to see that because Getzlaff is a beauty and he's been a dominant player in this league for a lot of years now. So We'll see. I think you're probably right, though. They're probably going to fall short of playoffs this season. It'll be super tough for them to hold on. But um, so far, like they're making a pretty good push. They're seven and three in their last 10 games. So that's no joke. Uh, playing real good hockey as of late. That's put them in a playoff spot right now. But we're only a quarter of the way through the season. So tons can happen, right? Oh, and then, tons. Tons. And yeah, don't look now, but you know, word is that the Kraken don't just exist at the bottom of the Pacific because uh, the Canucks also do too. And they've kind of been crapping the bed as of late. Let's talk about some of the turmoil behind uh, the Canucks play. You know, they're losers of three straight. Uh, the Kraken are now one point ahead of them with 15 in the same amount of games, 21. Uh Vancouver, they're 6-13-2, and, and they've been trending down as of late. Uh, what's going on with this team? Well, I think that's just everyone's waiting for the shoe to drop, and that shoe's going to be a management restructure and pro- possibly Green getting fired and let go too. I mean, as soon as they start bringing fire-bending signs and chants to games and shit, I mean, you almost got to let the guy go just for his peace of mind. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think something big's going to happen there. Um, I like I like their coach. Um, Benning, though, he's been getting a lot of slack for a lot of years now. Uh, it wouldn't be shocking to see him uh, get canned. you you got to shake something up, right? Because they brought in some good pieces uh, in the offseason, and they had high expectations. Uh, you know, they should have been around that third place, fourth place in this Pacific Division you know, by the end of the year, uh, definitely had hopes of playoff dream or, you know, they had hopes of being in the playoffs for sure. Um, but 
yeah, it is not looking good for them as of late. And they seem to be with all those good pieces up, up front, like they are struggling to score goals too. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, I saw Brock Besser's name getting circulated in trade rumors there. And I'm like, if you're struggling to score, that's not the guy you get rid of. No, it, it's not the guy you get rid of. They have a lot of rumors going around, like you said, Besser, um, and then JT Miller too. There's been some rumors about him possibly going to Minnesota. Um, so all kinds of rumors like that being thrown out. But uh, this team is fourth rate, fourth last in the NHL and goals for. So with all that offense, something something's got to change, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, eventually it's got to click. I haven't looked, but I'd be curious to see what their big gun shooting percentages are. Like if those are still floating up around their average, then something's wrong in Vancouver. But if they're just way down, then maybe you're hoping for a little regression back to normal there. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. Um, you know, I think I seen a quote on, you know, Benning not wanting to make a move that, you know, he's going to regret for the next 10 years. So to me, that sounds like trading Brock Besser. Like to me, that's a move. If you make it now because they're struggling a quarter of an NHL season this bad, and then you go out and trade a guy like that, uh, that's definitely a move you could regret for the next 10 years, isn't it? Yeah, he already made one of those with drafting you Levy over Kachuk. Yeah. That might be longer than 10 years of regret, though. Yeah, that's going to be maybe a lifetime of, of regret there. I, I don't care if you, you hate Matthew Kachuk or you love the guy. Uh, that was definitely the wrong decision there, wasn't it? Especially the next team drafting is Calgary, right? <laughs> so, And don't uh, tell me a Matthew Kachuk, Elias Peterson, and Brock Besser line wouldn't dominate. Oh, it would be insane. Kachuk's just off, just going off with Calgary right now, too, on, uh, on their top line. So I'm sure if they had that piece right now, they wouldn't be sitting at the bottom of the Pacific, would they? No, they'd probably be pushing people around up at the top, doing what Calgary's doing. Just elbows up, boys. We're making room. Yeah, and uh, just a bit of uh, breaking news today, actually. Um, the Montreal Canadiens making some changes to their management staff, and they're letting go Mark Bergervan. Uh, the Bergervan. So he just, Bergervan just got let go of his position as a GM of Montreal. Uh, so yeah, they're definitely shaking things up. They're off to a horrible start and one that kind of reminds me of, uh, the senators back after they took their 2017 playoff run and the next year they just, uh, you know, fell apart. Um, and is that the, the direction Montreal's heading into now is sell off and do a big rebuild? Yeah. I mean, you lost Shea Weber. Carey Price kind of is in and out of it. We know, well, we, you know, we don't really know what Carey Price is at right now, and you just hope he's doing all right mentally and healthy and all that. But they've got a couple guys coming up that are young players, but I don't think they've really got a stud. You know what I no, mean? Like someone to really no. build your team around. They've got some complimentary pieces there and Caulfield and Suzuki and Suzuki's a hell of a player. Don't get me wrong, but he's not a guy that you build everything around. No, I agree. They don't have that elite piece uh, in their uh, organization at all. So it, it could make a lot of sense for Montreal to take their turn 
uh, and do a complete rebuild because, um, you know, it's becoming more and more evident that uh, that Stanley Cup run was a bit of a fluke for this team, uh, especially with the way they ended that uh, season and just snuck into playoffs. Like a few more games, uh, you know, a, a couple more weeks in the NHL, and they may have just missed the playoffs and never had that run to begin with. So I could definitely see you know, some big things happening and some big trades. So whoever's going into the GM position for this team next, uh, they got a lot on their plate and a lot of big decisions to make ahead of them, don't they? Oh, for sure. It's probably going to be a year of let's just see what we've got. Yeah, exactly. It might be one of those things where they, they play out a bit and I, you got to think they have a lot of pieces that they can move from a lot of good wingers you got to think they they stockpile some picks up uh, at the trade deadline and uh, make some big moves if if that's the direction they take. Sendrew into Colorado, just just fucking do it. Reunite <laughs> him and Nate. Yeah, it would be actually pretty cool. I, I, I'd like to see that. I remember those rumors flying around when uh, you know the and rumors out of Tampa first came about, and I think that was something Sackick was seriously looking into as well. So you never know; could definitely happen. Do him and Carey Price in the same deal. Whoa. Sam Gerard nah. goes back the other way. <laughs> Couple nah. firsts. You know that you, you make a lot of good points there. You got Sam Gerard with the, the Montreal uh, connection. Obviously, he's from Quebec. And you got some moves that would make a lot of sense there. And I think uh, Colorado's uh, one or two like huge moves away from uh, being the absolute Stanley Cup contenders. Um, you know, they're definitely turning their season around and playing uh, unbelievable hockey. You got Nazem Kadri too going off and, you know, he's one of the, the top scorers in the league now. I think he's like fifth in the league in scoring, if I'm not wrong. Like not bad, uh, not, not too bad. You know, obviously he's getting a lot of ice time, but, and, and a lot of opportunity with Nate Mack out, but uh, credit to him. What a heck of a run he's on right now. Just unbelievable. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens with Montreal. Um, you know, they're, they're looking pretty terrible right now. So, uh, they're making big changes and I expect you know, nothing but more bigger changes to happen, especially with the lineup that they have. All right. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up, uh, episode 11. Uh, thank you everybody for joining in on this episode. Join us next episode too, as we break down the next three Kraken hockey games, keep you up to date on all things Seattle Kraken and have yourselves a great week crackheads and we'll talk soon. All right. Take her easy guys.